is the Clearly Kosciuszko Podcast, telling the story of Kosciuszko County through the eyes of those who have been here lifetimes and those who have just arrived. The mission of Clearly Kosciuszko is to craft a sense of place and pull all corners of our county together. The story of our community is ever unfolding and needs you. Each month, we'll talk with those involved in our community and invite listeners to play, learn, and grow alongside us. Now, the latest edition of the Clearly Kosciuszko Podcast with your host, Jody Claypool and Ryan Martin. Welcome back to another episode of the Clearly Kosciuszko Podcast. We're broadcasting once again from our headquarters here, third floor of City Hall, the Kedco office suite. We've been kicked out, Jody. We were kicked down to the conference room today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it still the home office, but uh, we're, we're, in, we're in new digs. And actually, we're kind of spread out. Social distancing, practicing social yeah. distancing. Yeah, it's today. more comfortable. More comfortable. We've got the, uh, the, the well-upholstered chairs. Uh, so we're excited to be here once again. The sun is shining. It's uh, another wonderful early 2022 day. And I'm excited about who we're, we're going to be talking to on the Clear the Kosciuszko podcast today. Um, uh, let's just say it has to do with... Um, with, with some of the finer things in life, right? Yeah, I could. I, I think that's a good description to get so, us started. So, yeah, go ahead and t- tell us who we've got here today, Jody. Today we have Stephen King, who is the brew, brewer, yeah, brewer yeah, and yeah. co-owner of Hoplore. I knew I was going to screw that up right out of the gate. But uh, anybody who's been up to Leesburg um, and has uh, hung out at the Hoplore up there has been able to taste the fine food and the beverages up there, and he just started uh, another uh, building or just started another business, Hoplore business, down here mm-hmm. in Warsaw. And so I don't know how many people have actually heard that it's here, available, here, right. operational. Go in and check it out. Food's phenomenal. Brew and the food are the same. Uh, great atmosphere. So, Stefan, welcome. Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, we uh, we opened up in the beginning of October here in in Warsaw. Um, we tend to focus on uh, more. Uh, you mentioned about the food, uh, more shareable items. Uh, we like to be uh, a place for social gatherings more so than just a, a quick bite and, and moving on, um, because we feel like uh, you know breweries have uh, an opportunity to. Uh, bring a community together more so than than a lot of you know your basic eateries. Um, so uh, the beer and the food are all designed to to sit down and share. Yeah, and um, I've been to both of your facilities. I mean, it's phenomenal. I mean, not only do you, not only do you have board games, right? Yes, which I'm yes. a personal fan of, right? Because when I'm enjoying good food and beverages, a lot of times my competitive edge leads me to want to dominate. A board game so you just kind of catered right to me on that one sure but your atmosphere is also phenomenal so yeah we we love the relaxed atmosphere um you know as far as the leesburg spot um there's a lot of li- little nooks and crannies which which make it feel very private even though it's a pretty large uh facility um same feeling though is carried on in a little bit more modern take in the warsaw location um, still meant to be a, a very relaxed atmosphere with some couches and, and things like that to, to lounge on. Um, 
and make it inviting to, you know, spend some time to play some board games. Um, you know, there's nothing better than hearing somebody yelling Uno from, you know, across the room getting real heated. Sounds like Jody's the, that guy that gets, gets that heated. That he is Uno that game. guy. He is <laughs> yeah. that guy for sure. So for those who may not have uh, been able to, to venture to either of your locations, can you quickly give us uh, directions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the one in Leesburg is known as the Old Mill. Um, you can uh, stop on the way there if you're uh, lost. Ask anyone in Leesburg and say, hey, I'm heading to the Old Mill uh, for the beer. They will be able to direct you right there. Uh, basically, you go up 15, uh, turn right on Van Buren, and you will literally, um, some people have, run into the, the front side of our building. Um, so we're in the, uh, the old grain mill up there in Leesburg, um, here in Warsaw, the newer of the two locations is on market street. Uh, we are directly next to, uh, the post office, the main post office here in Warsaw. Um, apparently the, uh, the drop off right behind our building is one of the, uh, busiest, uh, traffic streets in the entirety of, of Warsaw from what I'm hearing. So, um, if you know where the post office is, you know where we're at, we're right next door. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, designing places around gathering, an interesting story. So before I really knew of Hoplore being up in the old mill in, in Leesburg, Jody, I, was, I think I was taking a load of grain uh, over to the Sarasurf facility uh, sometime this fall. And as I was crossing the tracks, the parking lot at the old mill was just full of side-by-side -side UTVs. There was, some mm -hmm. kind, there was a big old rally or, or, or a run that was uh, taking place, and they decided all to stop off at Hoplor or one day, and that was, a, that was a spectacular sight, seeing that lot just full of side-by-sides and people just enjoying the outside and the inside. So that was my immersion education into all things Hoplor at that point in time. So just a, a great concept on the gathering spaces. For sure. In. Well, and that you guys do have kind of that little porch area in the back, which is nice. Oh, yeah. That, that porch area, actually, it'll seat somewhere around 30 people or so. So there's plenty of room, especially in the spring, fall, um, and, of course, summer, when it's not terribly uh, swelteringly hot. Great place to sit. Um, you're... <laughs> You're in between like several cornfields, so you feel like it's a very private place. Um, there's, of course, Old 15 that kind of curves toward the lake, but um, you know we're pretty much surrounded by by country, which is kind of a cool feeling uh, when you really think about it. Yeah, right on. So go ahead and talk about uh, talk about the expansion here into Warsaw. Uh, the yeah. thought, thought behind that, and and because it, it felt like it was a bit of a process to, to get here. To, well, to, to well and in. I can tell you two things personally from from observing where I thought Hoplor was going to be uh -huh. to where Hoplor was. I kept waiting because I kept seeing the signs, mm -hmm. and then it wasn't open. And so I thought it yeah. didn't arrive. And then we had our first, like, we had, uh, what, what would you call that meaning? Like a some sort of like a town hall with one yeah, of the Kedco people. Kedco, yeah. And um, I was like, oh, I, di I didn't realize you guys were mm -hmm. open. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been a process uh, to get here into Warsaw. Uh, as far as the impetus behind um, coming to Warsaw, it had a lot to do with production space. Um, in the uh, mill building, we were pretty limited as far as you know the space that we had to produce uh, our product, um, which is obviously the backbone of our company, and that's the beer. Um, so we went from <clears throat> roughly about 700 square feet for brewing uh, floor 
up to uh, just south of 2,000 square feet. Um, so we have a significantly larger footprint for the brewing space. Um, one of the things that was the toughest about uh, brewing up there with the limited space is that we do have uh, wholesale customers. Um, basically, our footprint right now is between Muncie and um, uh, Valparaiso area. Uh, so we are selling a fair amount out to you know bars and restaurants. Uh, we just did our first large packaging run, which means that we're going to be seen in, in some more liquor stores and things like that. Uh, but the, that was the first and, and biggest part of, you know, finding a facility in Warsaw. Uh, we wanted it to make sure that we're suitable for the uh, manufacturing side. Um, the second was that, you know, we ha are in an area where Warsaw is almost like a dividing line. You know, there's the south of Warsaw and then there's the north of Warsaw. So the Leesburg uh, Taproom Services typically more so the lakes area populations, you know, Syracuse, Milford, uh, Webster, Leesburg, uh, north side of, of Warsaw. But, you know, when you're going from Claypool or, you know, even far south side of Warsaw all the way up to Leesburg, it's it's quite a jaunt. Um, so that was the secondary aspect of, of coming into Warsaw is, okay, let's let's give folks an opportunity to have Hoplor beer and not have to take, you know, a half hour trip. To get there, um, so that was the uh, the idea as far as coming into Warsaw, um, giving us a, a larger footprint for uh, manufacturing and then the tasting room there as well. Um, as far as the process, it's just just like anything; <laughs> it takes longer than you think it's going to take. And uh, you know, there were some hiccups along the way that we had to work through, um, and uh, we're really happy where we're at now. Um, we think it's a great spot, uh, relatively close to downtown, uh, walking ability. Um, there's a lot of businesses around and a lot of folks that, you know, right after work want to, you know, kind of chill out just a minute. Uh, as I mentioned, we're pretty relaxed atmosphere. So we feel like we're a good fit here in Warsaw. Fantastic. So Stefan, how yes. did you get into this gig? <laughs> uh, literally tripped into it. Uh, a former, uh, a uh, boss actually mentioned about doing a, a brewery and I said, well, you know, I, I know some people, um, and the, the former boss stepped aside and, and decided to, to, you know, shelve the idea. Uh, but you know, myself being bullheaded and, um, a couple of buddies, uh, decided to go ahead and, and move forward with the process. And, um, you know, we start really humbly and in all reality, we scratched together, as many pennies as we could to get our first brewing system and set up. And, you know, we actually, they call it gypsy brewing. So we actually rented the ability to use another brewery's facilities to make our beer, at least to start, because we just didn't have enough money to put everything together to have a complete brewing setup. Um, so, I mean, we started with uh, uh, traveling back and forth with a Honda full of, of kegs of beer that we made up in South Bend at a, at a brewery. And, uh, you know, I've, I've never seen a Honda squat quite like that because we're bringing, you know, uh, we'd say like 300 gallons of beer down um, at, at a time. Um, and then it just grew from there. Um, one of the things I, I really liked about the experience of, of starting till now is that, it's a very organic process. Um, when you start that small, 
um, it it's a natural growth pro- progression. Uh, we're constantly like <laughs> over the first about three four years looking at. Uh, deals we could get at auctions and and things like that to be able to like get that next piece that we needed, uh, whether it be you know taking and going from brewing in South Bend and bringing it down to brewing on site, or even going from you know sourcing our our proteins with a third party already ready to go to actually having a kitchen that is worthy of of putting our entire menu together, and it's just been picking up piece by piece over that first few years that we got there. And um, so that was a fun part of, of the whole process is seeing it grow a little bit at a time. And do you have a background in brewing or is it a hot, was it a hobby? Uh, well, or? craft beer was a hobby. Um, okay. I was into craft beer. Oh, probably for 10 years or so beforehand uh, was introduced to it by some neighbors. I actually came from, more of the the spirits side as far as enjoyment i was a bourbon drinker first so the appeal of craft beer for me was that you know with bourbon you've got a very narrow set of rules that you have to follow and uh, picking up differences between something like a blanton's or a, a knob creek or things like that are are relatively minute differences uh when it came to craft beer what really appealed to me was the fact that you know, I could have one that tasted like chocolate or I could have just, you know, a basic beer beer or there's these fruity things in between or there's the happy thing over there. And there's just a much more broad uh, appeal to me to be able to have a lot of different flavors as opposed to, you know, following that rigid guideline of, of bourbon. So uh, I went into that. Um, and then I spent about three years as a GM at a, a fine dining restaurant and a sports bar. And at that point, when I went on as a GM there, um, I went really heavy into craft beer. We were doing beer dinners. Uh, we actually, for one of the, the largest regional breweries, we became number three in all of northern Indiana for selling their product. Um, and it gave me the ability to kind of see on that side. You know, the, anytime you're a big purchaser of any product, you always get a little bit of fringe benefits from the place you're buying from. And that was kind of where uh, that was my first steps into like brewery side of things to actually see how things operate, talk to the people that are doing the operations and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's my background. Um, I took over the brewing uh, 100% about two years ago and uh, just haven't looked back since. I'm always into learning something new. Um, so, uh, that's what I told the guy when I took over his restaurant. I said, never done it before, but I'm always up to try something new. I'm a hot potato. I don't know if I'm going to stay, but I'm down to try it. So I'm, I'm always uh, about learning something new and different, such as the brewing. So what? Uh, how many brews do you have or that you, do you produce in a given period, whether that's uh, quarterly, yearly, you're switching them out like the, the craft and microbrew scene, or you, you, you have staples. Just tell us a little bit about the thought process. Um, we have two sides to it. Um, one of the things that um, you have to understand about the, the beer industry is that there's a side where people get with something and they're comfortable. Um, that's their go-to. We, we were talking uh, beforehand about habits. You know, once you get in a habit, it's hard to break it and change it. Uh, but at the same time, most of the folks that are really, really into craft beer um, 
are adulterous when it comes to their beer flavors. They're always wanting to try something new and different. Um, so what we have is we've got a core line of about four to five beers that are on almost all the time. Uh, we've got a session IPA, we've got a chocolate milk stout, we've got an amber, we've got a cream ale, we've got a West Coast IPA. Those are on almost all the time. Um, but then we have a whole nother section of beers, which are, I like to call them the crazy ones, um, that are uh, usually produced one time a year. Um, you know, our, our, our slushy style fruited sours are one of those where um, we put four to five pounds of fruit in for every gallon of beer. And it's more of almost a mixed drink than it is necessarily like a beer beer. Um, but we do different flavors on those all the time. Um, we have a series of stouts, uh, which are 10 to 14% uh, ABV, but they're uh, pastry stouts. So they're inspired by things like donuts. Uh, Amish crack is one that was the first one that we did, but then we have a whole line of ones called stuffed beers. So we've done Oreo, we've done, you know, peanut butter cup, we've done uh, most recently bun bar inspired uh, with maple syrup and peanuts and, and everything like that. So um, we try to, to meet both sides of that beer drinking spectrum. And even if a person doesn't like beer, that's, that's the other aspect. Um, we do uh, a house-made sangria, which is wine-based. Um, then we do have some spirits and some other uh, selection of domestics and things like that. Um, I, my opinion on beer, and a lot of people will see me at a bar drinking a high life, and they're looking <laughs> at me like, what are you doing? You make good beer and you're drinking this? Well, the thing is that all beer has its place. Uh, I'll be as fast to grab a bush light or a Miller light or something like that at the end of a long day of brewing where I'm sweating as I would be one of my, you know, fruity beers or one of my big stouts or things like that. Um, so we're not like that, that snobbish, um, you know, craft brewery. I understand that everybody has their own palate and that's why we try to meet a lot of those different aspects in the craft beer community. So let's shift gears away from the brewing side then and talk a little bit about the, the, the thought process and the inspiration for, especially down here at the new facility, putting it around that gathering place. Let's go back to Jody's board game and things yeah. like that. You yeah. Know, uh, that. That's different. Not a lot of places or, or where you see that a lot of times are in the coffee shop. It yes. feels like yes. it's, a, it's the, adult, the coffee shop of adult beverages kind of philosophy. Just talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, very much, very much so. Um, when it comes to uh, habits, let's talk about the habits again. Um, one of the toughest things to do is to change people's habits. Uh, we are not a uh, mandatory demand type of uh, product. Um, it is discretionary. So the question then becomes, you know, how do you change people's habits? So many times they'll try something and then they're back to their normal thing. And one of the things that we've kind of figured out is that more than anything else, especially in a social setting like a, a, a brewery or a bar or coffee shop, they're all social settings. So we try to give people something to do. Um, whether it be board games that they can grab off the rack or um, Wednesday nights down here, we have trivia. Thursday nights up at the Leesburg spot, we have trivia. Uh, Thursday's fun down here. We do a vinyl night. 
so people can bring in their favorite records and and listen to them on our uh, our little console record player from the fifties. Um, so we try to always have something to do, uh, and that's kind of the impetus behind um, that blending of kind of a coffee shop feel and a, a brewery as well. Um, even our food items are designed that way. Uh, most of our food items are charcuterie boards down here. And they're, again, designed to, to snack and to share as well. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I appreciate the social aspect of the hop lure experience. So I, uh, I can reinforce that, at least for me, that's, that's a, it's a, a great place to spend some time. And uh, I like what you're doing, so thank you. Keep it up. Now let's talk about your origin story. Okay. So are you a native? <laughs> I'm not. Um, I'm actually originally from Elkhart. Okay. Uh, not terribly far away. Uh, the the old story. Uh, met a girl, and uh, we ended up splitting the difference between you know where I'm from and where she's from, and uh, had some friends up here in this area, and uh, found a house and and moved in. I've been here. Uh, almost 20 years now in this area. Um, like I said, grew up in Elkhart. I went to Jimtown High School, a small school, a small town uh, feel to that side of Elkhart anyway. So this is not terribly different than what I'm used to uh, growing up. You, you mentioned Jimtown. You saw me nodding. I'm, I'm a Fairfield boy, so we're okay. op- opposite yeah. ends of the county. So yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had some good rivalries back in the day. Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We did. So Right on. So... Um, you're you've been here for 20 years yeah all right so you have had the opportunity to work in a a bunch of different areas before you Mm -hmm. started doing the brewery thing give us a little snapshot (laughs) of what that looked like okay uh i grew up in a family business um and this is like right before i moved down here um we had a music store so we sold musical instruments um as soon as I graduated high school, I basically took that business over. Um, so, like, like folks out there listening that do payroll processing, I, I feel your pain. Uh, my granddad was, at the time, you know, 70, and uh, we had it tough. It was like walking uphill through the snow both ways to school because uh, he did not believe in computers, so everything was by hand. Um, ran that. Uh, for a couple years and then decided to move on, uh, went into retail management, decided I hated it. Uh, retail managers get to deal with two types of people, unhappy employees and unhappy customers. And uh, outside of that, that's pretty much it. Um, so went from there uh, to being my own boss again and uh, actually got into the insurance business before I was this long-haired, bearded, hippie dude. Um, I was clean cut and I did, uh, life and health insurance. I actually still have a small brokerage. My wife does most of the work with it at this point. Um, but we were, uh, uh, door to door, floor to floor till there ain't no more, as they say. Uh, you know, I'm 12, 14 hour days, uh, every small town in Indiana I've been in because, uh, you know, that's, that's my, my territory, Indiana. So put a lot of miles on there. I learned a lot. Uh, when it comes to sales and, and that type of stuff. And uh, finally got burnt out. I went up to uh, a VP of the company and ran a division for them. Uh, they were based out of Dallas. And, you know, working five in the morning till one in the morning is, uh, is a killer. So moved on from that and uh, had a little time on my hands. That's when I was uh, a- approached by the restaurant owner. Um, I... <laughs> 
I got annoyed at uh, New Year's Eve at that particular place because he didn't have a DJ or live music for it. And I'm like, this ain't going to work. Give me my phone. And I grabbed the DJ booth, started DJing there. And uh, DJed there for a pretty uh, good amount of time, about every week, two days a week. Oddly enough, uh, morphed into that, learned how to use turntables and all that fun stuff. Started throwing some ideas for <clears throat> parties to the, uh, the owner, and they worked. And that's when he started seeing some potential as far as restaurant management. Um, so I did that for, like I said, about three years. Uh, kind of revamped what we did as a restaurant. Um, it was very much all over the place. Um, and that's kind of where my whole premise of Hoplor came from is, uh, refocusing on things that you do best. Um, for a lot of restaurants, they try to appeal to so many different people that it's almost lost in that vast array of a menu, what you are doing specifically. Um, I think in this area, we have a pretty good selection of places that, that do that. They focus on what they're good at. Rua, 110, you know, that's two that off the top of my head mm -hmm. come to mind that this is what we do. We're not trying to do all this other stuff. This is what we are. And, um, you know, refocusing made a big difference at that restaurant. Um, ended up about 25% up year over year for three years while I was there. And then, of course, Hoplor hatched and uh, moved on to that. And so what our theory is uh, and what our uh, motto is as a brewery is uh, brewed with imagination. Um, we're always, you know, coming up with something new and different and crazy. Uh, I, I always say it's because uh, brewing with, brewed with imagination is our saying because I can't say I do stupid stuff uh, <laughs> on, on a uh, company motto. Uh, but that theory goes both with the beer and the food. Um, for many of our items, they might be on our menu for two weeks, and that's it, and it's on to the next. Um, some of our stuff that are fan favorites, like our peanut butter and jelly taco, which sounds really weird, but it's the one item that we are constantly asked not to remove from our menu. <laughs> um, it's a, We make an Amish peanut butter in-house. Uh, we do a strawberry jalapeno jelly. Um, and then it goes on our smoke pulled pork on a, on a taco. It's, it's, uh, I won't say life changing, but it is a, definitely a fun experience to, to do that. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's kind of where our focus is, is, is trying to stay in that line of this is who we are. Um, and, uh, when it comes to, again, the beer and the food, both situations are focusing on that brewed with imagination motto. So, so as you, um, as you were transitioning to this, now this part of your, your journey, your mm -hmm. life journey, um, how have you, um, gotten out, how have you connected with the resources that you need in order to get it done? And what kind of support have you seen from the community? As far as patrons, um, there's a huge amount of support. Uh, you know, when it comes to both locations where we see new faces every day, they're like, you know, I love this place. You know, it's it's a place I can see myself just hanging out at. I think I actually said uh, those exact words to you. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> to, to quote the great Jody. Uh, so it's, it's been a, a great uh, experience. You know, many patrons 
cross over that line of being just a patron in this business and, and become, you know, more so friends. Yeah, uh, right. You see him on a regular basis, uh, and you know, you, you learn a little bit about each other uh, during that time. That's uh, as far as restaurants. Many times, it's as much relationship building as it is, you know, in my selling background relationship building um we're building relationships here too um as far as the the resources available within the area you know the mayor has been great um as far as you know helping us get to the point where we're able to you know put a stake down and uh you know find a place to be at um then you know kedco has been awesome um with uh, loans and things like that that were available to us, um, you know, we we definitely take advantage of that, and that's something that I think between Kedco and and the chamber, um, a lot of people don't even realize that these types of things are available. Um, I think we were one of just two that took advantage of one of the loan programs last year, um, and they're looking for people to. Um, you know, grow businesses and things like that. So um, overall, the support has been good. Um, Can I say that there's probably work to be done yet? Of course. Um, We all have to work uh, and grow every single day. I am the same way within the brewery. Um, And it's just about getting that information out there that these resources are available, which is, I think, the the toughest thing Um, it was for us when we were looking for things uh, to help us build this out. Um, and then, you know, having somebody, uh, within Kedco that says, Hey, these, these things are available. Don't forget. Um, that's been a, a huge help to us. I got a question before we kind of pivot into the, 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 the last ways that we talk about coming down us 30 and turning the wheel right or left. But I, I have to know with a motto like brewed with imagination. Okay. I know my imagination sometimes says something that's going to be awesome and it's not. So, Stefan, can you share with us what a, a brew, or even a food item, but a brew that sounded good at the time, and the imagination went wild, and just, it came out, and you was like, oh, we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't, uh, we've been fairly fortunate, first off, to not have a lot of dumpers. Okay. Um, However, at the same time, I am very staunchly opposed to passing things through that are not good. Um, we have dump beer, um, and it's part of protecting the brand to make sure that everything is up to your standards and at the same time to be willing to make that sacrifice. You know, it's not cheap to make a beer, um, but you have to be willing to look past that. You know, instead of saying, oh, I've got an open tap, I got to get that filled when a beer doesn't come out the way you want it to actually say, okay, I'm going to let that line sit or I'm going to source a beer from another place because this thing needs to get redone. Um, Because if it's not right, I'm not putting it through. Um, (laughs) When you ask me about that, I don't really have any like flavor combinations that didn't necessarily come out properly. Um, When I took over... Uh, two years ago, brewing. However, I do have a, a great story about dumping beer. Um, we do a, a series of New England IPAs, and, and New England IPAs are not easy beers to do in the first place uh, to get them right. 
Um, you have to have just the right amount of bitterness, and then you have to have a whole lot of hot flavor, and, and putting everything together can be difficult. Um, I came in, and the first one that I did was uh, a beer called Walking on Eggshells. And I'm not shy about saying that I mess up. Uh, <laughs> the first one ended up drinkable, but it wasn't what it was supposed to be. Um, I'm always one of those, like, is this a drinkable beer? Yes. But is it what it's supposed to be flavor profile-wise? Um, it wasn't. So it became a completely different beer. The second one was my dumper. Um, I dumped it. And, uh, you know, I have a few people within a, an inner circle that are brutally honest about stuff. So a lot of times if I'm iffy on something, I'll say, hey, here, have this can, take it home, tell me what you think. Um, because so many people in this industry just have yes men. Like, oh, it's good. Oh, it's good. You know, uh, and it's, it's a situation where a lot of times beers get passed through that shouldn't necessarily be so just because as a brewer, we don't necessarily have that perspective on our own um, children, if you will, on our own production. Um, so the second one was a total dumper, uh, just way too bitter. And I actually keep a four pack of that because we started canning it before I you know, had my inner circle like taste it. And I tasted it. I'm like, eh. Inner Circle tasted it, and they agreed, okay, this is not good. Let's dump it. I keep a four-pack of that on my toolbox back in the brewery because I never want to get to that point where I think that everything that I make is good because I make it. Um, so every morning when I walk in, I look at that four-pack, and I remember that that was a dumper, and something didn't go right. So now the whole New England beer line is named for that mess up. So we started with Walk on Eggshells, which is kind of a commentary uh, about some things that happened in the last previous couple of years. But then I thought, well, that's a great line to, to like make a joke about dumping beer. So uh, Walk on Eggshells was one. Uh, we did one called Crossing My Fingers. We did one called Hoping for the Best. Uh, we did uh, one called Wishing on a Star. And then we had one that we were going to circle back to once I got the program of the New England IPAs where I wanted it called Promise of Heaven, um, which was from way back. We had done it before. Uh, finally, on oh, Hoping for the Best, I felt like we hit that on the head. So Promise of Heaven just got canned yesterday. But that's a two-year process of, of going from that dump to this is where I want our line to be. Um, and it's just one of those things you can't take it too serious you can't take yourself too serious and and you have to have a good perspective and uh check your own ego sometimes and that's that's where i am as far as dumping beers i'm always willing to do it if it's not right i look at that four pack and i say yep that's not right let's go dump it i'm glad we got that recorded that was no. a good that was a good journey right yeah, there. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. And well, and the thing is my my thought process was if you're if you're putting together and you're not afraid to try anything Look, we all fail. If we're not afraid to try anything, we will all fail at some point. And it's Absolutely. what you learn from it from that is, 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 the, is that. 
Um, so, Stefan, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, we've got our signature question that you know is coming. But uh, you know, this podcast originally was brought to, to bear because, you know, we wanted to come up and key on some things that are in the county that make somebody, as they're driving down US-30, either turn that wheel right or left mm -hmm. to get here or not. And so from your perspective, being in the area, but Elkhart and coming down and running through this entire journey that you've taken us through, if you had to pull out one thing, what would that be? Something for somebody that's driving through, doesn't know one way or the other, but want to turn that wheel and come here and then maybe even cause them to put down roots. I'm going to say um, it's, it's the community as a whole. I mean, we, we could talk about this business or that business or, you know, the industry that we have here and, and all those, you know, cliche things like come to live in our area. We've got great paying jobs or we've got this or we've got that. I don't think that's what it is. Uh, we're still in a situation where this town is small enough that we have the ability to have a very connected community. Um, where everybody kind of knows everybody. Um, now the, the outlets like our place, like other restaurants, uh, you know, the workplace, those in all reality are, are outlets of that community. Um, you know, when you're spending eight hours a day with somebody, you either are going to love them or hate them. Um, you know, and same thing with, with going out, um, and, and finding a place to hang out. Um, it's an opportunity where you can literally sit down next to somebody and feel comfortable having a conversation, um, which I really love about a small community like this is that we don't have the same backgrounds. Obviously, none of us do, but it only takes a little bit of talking to say, hey, you know, I, I can talk to this guy some more. I, I kind of like this guy. And um that interconnectedness, the synergy, I guess, is is what I would say in a small community is is really cool because you develop those people that you can call if you need them. Um, you know, you you can count on them. And uh, in bigger towns, it, it's a lot harder uh, to do that. Um, you get a lo lot more uh, niche uh, areas where, okay, I know these 12 people but then the greater community you don't really know. Um, we're in that six degree of separa separation community where everybody ends up knowing everybody within you know a few people, uh, which is pretty cool, in my opinion. And at least it doesn't tie back to Kevin Bacon. Six degrees of Kevin mm, Bacon, yeah. but it kind of kind of does. Oh crud! I mean, if it <laughs> if it could, I mean, anytime you can go back to Bacon, it's it's always a good time. Signature question, Jody. All right, so we always ask this question at the end of every podcast. Uh, this is the Kedco Clearly Kosciuszko podcast. We're, we're tied to the uh, Clearly Kosciuszko uh, Lily Lakes and Streams mm -hmm. yep. um, program. So we always ask, what does Clearly Kosciuszko mean to you? Well, I would have to say, you know, we step back just to the community aspect. Um, but, you know, I, I live up on the north side of Tippy, and, you know, water actually is another place that it's a connection point. Um, you know, standing, standing around on the sandbar and any of the lakes around and, again, meeting new people. Um, uh, that's, 
that's what I would say, you know, clearly Kosciuszko is all about. Um, it's, it's kind of what separates our area from a lot of others, uh, having those, those natural resources that, uh, also bring the community together beyond what we, you know, put down as far as roots are concerned. Um, that's, that's really what it is. Um, as far as the business, you know, Hoplore and, and clearly Kosciuszko, I have to say that, you know, having an outlet for, you know, our experimentation and finding folks that, you know, enjoy that aspect is really cool as well. Uh, we have a very eclectic community, um, more so than a lot of towns of this size. And, and it's a really cool thing. Uh, I don't think enough people appreciate about our area is being to have being able to have what a lot of bigger cities have in such a small community, um, whether it be you know the the population or the businesses and the and the broad span of them. Um, that, that's something I don't think enough people do appreciate about you know Kosciuszko. That I I really have to coming from outside the county say that I appreciate about it. Yeah, well, this this has been. Spectacular. I've loved this podcast, too. Yeah, this is And fantastic. not just because I choose to partake in a beer every now and again. This, this, is, this has just been great hearing the methods and, and, and a, a local success story here. So, uh, Stefan, thank you for, for coming by and, and being a part of this. Um, it, this, is, this has been good, and I think this is one that's going to get a lot of listens to as we, we go forward. So, Jody, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you for stopping by again today. Thank you, Co-hosting, as always. Stefan, good to meet you and good to have you you here. And, folks, uh, stay tuned. Another episode of the Clearly Kosciuszko podcast is in the books, and we'll be back to talk with you again soon. Have a great day. Clearly Kosciuszko is a countywide voice created in partnership between the Lilly Center for Lakes and Streams, Kosciuszko County Convention and Visitors Bureau, Kosciuszko Chamber of Commerce, and the Kosciuszko Economic Development Corporation. If you're seeking a day trip or a weekend getaway, a place to start your business, or a flexible location for a corporate conference, clearly Kosciuszko will connect residents and visitors with the right resource throughout the county. Thanks for listening.